Thank you for joining me today as we wrap up this I Am Here series, a series where we've been talking about the reality of the presence of God here, today, now, and in our lives. And whether you're joining us here at Kernersville or at our location in Oak Ridge or somewhere out there in the World Wide Web, we are so glad that you have decided to join us. And what we have been doing over the last three weeks is establishing and talking about the reality of one big idea that has shaped the entire series. This big idea is such an encouraging truth, and maybe this was brand new news for you in this series, or maybe this is your first time and you're like, I'd love to learn more about that, so go back and watch the other uh, services in this series. This is such a huge, huge truth that God is ever-present everywhere, every moment. Which means there is never a place, never a time, never a moment, never a situation where God is not ever-present everywhere, every moment, period. Now, what you may not know, and you need to know, and you're about to know, is that God's presence that is ever-present everywhere, every moment, actually involves our presence. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And I'm going to show you. All throughout history, we see this. And if you, if you follow the narrative and the stories through the Bible, you see this. But it's even, it's even bigger than the Bible because it's, it's still happening. All throughout history, when God wanted to say something, when God wanted to do something, when God wanted to communicate something or to let people in the world and the world know that he is at work in the world and in people's lives, here's what God has done. He sends someone. He sends someone. That's just what he's done. It's always been that way. And, and I'll show you right up here. That's why I put this stuff up on the screen. He sends someone. He sends a human being, actually, and it's almost always unexpected. And, and it's pretty brilliant, actually. It's a genius strategy. I mean, even if you're not a Christian or a church-going kind of a person, you've at least heard some of these names, if not all of these names. I mean, that's what the story of Abraham in the Old Testament is about. God was sending Abraham to do a work in the world through Abraham. God sent Moses to do a work in the people of Israel and deliver them from slavery and help establish the nation of Israel as their own, uh, as their own people. The prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, people like Jonah, even though Jonah didn't want to be, a part of this. He ended up, you know, getting convinced one way or the other. That's what this was. God was sending someone. And especially with Jesus, when God wanted the world to know that I am here, he sent Jesus, who is called Matthew chapter one. The angel said to Joseph, Emmanuel, God is with us. And in no clearer way, we know the presence of God through Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say about himself to the world. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Even though Jesus is like the pinnacle of all of it, after Jesus, God sent guys like Peter in the first century, Paul in the first century. It's why we have so much of our New Testament is because of guys like this. But you need to understand this is so huge. The current plan, the current plan in 2023 for God sending someone, you ready for this? It's you and me. It's us. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if you would put my name up there with a lot of these folks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can put your name right there. Uh, th that is, if, if you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, someone who's trusting and following Jesus. God's plan is to send us, to illustrate to the world, get this, 
to illustrate to the world, to the people around us and the people in our lives that God is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. This has always been the plan. This has always been part of the mission. This has always been the big idea. This has always been the way God was going to do it. In the days before Jesus, in fact, the day before Jesus was, the whole process of Jesus being arrested and crucified and, and all of that, Jesus was praying. And John recorded Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. This is actually in John chapter 17. If you want to read this sometime, it's, 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 it's a beautiful prayer. This is the real Lord's Prayer. I know what we call the Lord's Prayer is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's actually Jesus teaching us to pray. It's actually our prayer taught to us by Jesus. But this is actually the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord himself praying in John chapter 17. And something he prays just makes this so clear. Jesus said, just as you sent me, Father, into the world, just as you sent me, I am sending them into the world. Just as you sent me, I am sending them. Who's he talking about here? Who's the them? You might be thinking, oh, oh, he's talking about his disciples, like Matthew and Peter and, and, and those dudes, because they were with him. Yes, he was talking about them, but he wasn't just talking about them. He was talking about me and you, because in this prayer, in John chapter 17, he goes on to say, I'm not just praying this, Father, for those who are with me now, but for all of those who will follow them and come after them, and for anyone in the future who will believe in me. And I know that's me, and I hope that's you, and I think it's a lot of you, if not most of you. That he's praying for us. When he says, I, just as you sent me, Father, I'm sending them. What does that mean? Because we're not the Savior. I'm not the Savior. You're not the Savior. So it's not like I'm sending them to go save the world. I'm sending them to die for the sins of the world. No, he had that taken care of. He alone is the Messiah. He alone is the Savior. Here's what he was saying. Father, just as you sent me to the world to reveal God to the world, just as you sent me to help the world know that you are present and at work in the world to reveal yourself, I am sending them. I'm sending them in that same way so that they will go, they will go and reveal you, reveal me to the world, to the world, to, to people around them. In Jesus's, I want to take this a little bit further. In Jesus's final words to his followers, right before, this is after Jesus had died, buried, and was resurrected, right before he ascended to heaven, some of his very, very final words on planet earth. Luke records them. Acts chapter one, Jesus said, but you, he's talking to his followers, people like us, we were there, right? We were like, oh, did Jesus, we're handing out there. And Jesus said, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that's exactly what happened, and it's still what happens, it's still a reality. And here was the plan. You will be my witnesses, my witnesses. In other words, you are to bear witness to me. You are to bear witness of me. And this is much bigger than just telling people about Jesus. Yes, that's a part of it. It's much bigger than just giving people information about who Jesus is. It's much bigger than that, even though it includes that. When Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, here's what he's meaning. He's saying, here's the plan. I'm going to send you, 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 you. You're going to go to the world. You're going to, and, and then you, you guys, you guys are going to talk about me and, 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 and people are going to know about me. You, you are going to live in front of people and then people are going to not just going to get to know you. They're going to get to know me through you. And they're not just going to experience you. They're going to experience me through you. So people are, are going to get a load of you and they're going to think about me. 
genius plan. And once you realize this was the plan all along, you see it time and time and time and time again. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was in the famous Sermon on the Mount. He gives us this. And you've probably heard of this before. You are the light of the world. Who's you? You, you, us, me. He's talking to us. You are the light of the world. You said, well, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Oh, he certainly is the light of the world. But he was saying, okay, I'm the light of the world and you are to reflect my light. You guys are the light of the world. That's the plan. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your, you guys, your good deeds and then glorify your father in heaven. Again, the whole plan is they're gonna watch you and they're gonna think of me. They're going to experience you and they're going to experience something of me. They're going to get a load of you and they're going to think a lot of me. That's the plan. They're going to experience your presence and as a result, experience something of my presence. All right, here at the summit, uh, time and time again, we come back to what Jesus said in John chapter 13, and it is the foundation of our mission statement here, and it is why we love first, and that's why we talk about love first, is this famous thing that Jesus said when Jesus gave us the new commandment. So I'm going to give it to you again and show you it's even in that. And, and here it is. Love as I have loved you. And you're like, oh, are we talking about that again? Yeah, yeah, we're never going to stop talking about it. If you get tired of hearing this, you just need to go to a different church because this is, this new command, this is, this is it right here. Love as I have loved you. It's, it's right there in that word, as. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to love with the love that I have loved you, right? I, I've loved you and I want you to go to love each other in the same way that I've loved you, with the love that I've loved you, but it's bigger than that. And he's saying, I want you to actually love each other with, like I, I, my love. I want you to take my love and give it to other people so people are getting my love. People are getting God's love and they're getting it through you. So it's not just I want you to love each other the same way I loved you, I want you to love each other with. You take my love, I put in you, I want you to take my love, I want you to give it to other people, and other people are going to be loved by me through you. In fact, John, who recorded Jesus saying this when he was an old man, he was writing to the Christians in the first century, and I'm telling you, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, all, all throughout the scripture. And this is what he said. He said, no one has ever seen God, including you, including me, regardless of what you thought you saw in your bowl of cornflakes the other morning. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, isn't that odd? He didn't say, no one's ever seen God because you're looking in the wrong place. You're going to the wrong church. You're not reading the right books. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. No one has seen God. But, but, but here's how you see God. If we love each other, you see God lives in us. And, and then his love, if we love each other the way he's loved us, his love is brought to full expression in us. In other words, no one has ever seen God. But if we will love each other the way God has loved us, they will see God. No one has ever seen God. Why would, you, why, why would he start with that? Why would he start with that phrase? Why didn't he just say, if, if, you know, you just need to go love each other as I loved you. Why would, he, why would he start with no one has ever seen God? Because the whole point is, if the world is ever going to get a glimpse of who God is and his presence, it's going to be through you and me loving them and treating them, getting, getting a load of our presence and illustrating the presence of God. That's the point. Our presence is to be the evidence of God's presence. 
Or another way to say it, let me just put it like this, the most simple way I know to say it. The whole point is for you and me to go be me. Not me, him. Not you, him. God is saying to me and you, go be me. God is saying to us, just go be me. That's the plan. That's always been the plan. That's always been the idea. Go be me. Me? Yeah. Yeah, you. That, that's it. That's it. You can take everything that God wants you to do, everything that God wants me to do as a church, everything that God wants us to do, and you can boil it down to go be me to the world. Go be me to each other. In other words, live in such a way so that people experience God's presence through your presence. Because they do. That's how they get to know what God is like. You and I are to be representatives. We're to be the conduit of God's presence to the world. Okay? We're to be the channel. Are you, are you getting that? Are you, are you getting this representative conduit channel? If I knew another way, just go be me. So that people will experience God through you. Well, let me make it more specific. The whole plan in your life is that the people in your life around you will experience and know that God loves them because you love them. And that's how they're going to know God loves them is because you love them. And that people will know that God is gracious to them. And the reason they're going to know God is gracious to them is not because the Bible tells me so. It's bigger than that. It's because you're gracious to them and you call yourself one of his kids. And if you're gracious to me, I, I just can assume that God is gracious to me because you call yourself a follower of him. And the way the world is going to know that God is merciful is because you're merciful. And the way that God is going to, I mean, the way people are going to know that God is kind is because you are kind. And the way people are going to know that God is forgiving to them and God will forgive them because you forgive them. But I don't. Hmm, we'll come back to that. The way the world is going to know that God accepts people just as they are. No, he loves us so much he never leaves us the way we are, but he always accepts us just like we are, just like we are, mess and all. And the way that the world is going to know that God accepts them in his unconditional love just as they are is that you accept them and I accept them and that we accept them just as they are. And then let God do a work in our lives. And the way the world is going to know that God is with them is because you're with them. You see, this is how God brings change to the world. This is how God changes the world. This is how God does a work in people's lives. And this is why, my friends, there is such a disconnect, and it is so damaging. This is why it is so destructive. When those of us that are supposed to go be me those of us meant to represent God's presence actually do the opposite of what God would do if he were physically present here. Let me say that another way. This is why it is so damaging and destructive, and there is such a disconnect, and it just doesn't make sense. When those of us who have the name of Jesus attached to our name, we are followers of Jesus like we call ourselves Christians, right? Those of us who represent the presence of God do the exact opposite of what Jesus would do if Jesus were physically here. Jesus is not physically here. He has left us physically here and said, go be me. This is why it's so damaging. When we do the opposite of what he would do, when we un-Jesus the world, and we've all been guilty of un-Jesusing the world and being unloving and unkind and the opposite. We misrepresent his presence. And when Christians misrepresent the presence of Christ, 
And this is how the world's gonna know what Jesus is like, is through us. And so when we live our lives in such a way that misrepresents the presence of Christ, we make him look bad, number one, which is bad enough, right? We make him look bad, and he was like, wait a second, you called yourself my kid. My parents, we all know what that's like, right? If you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you see your kids do something, you're like, you're carrying around my last name, kid. Yeah. yeah. But we make him look bad, number one, and, and secondly, it comes to a point where other people begin to question whether or not they really believe God is present in the world because we're misrepresenting his presence. Few things, my friends, are damaging. So I just want to leave you with this, if, and then we'll move on, and, and, and you'll be thankful because this is the sticky part. So here's the deal. If you have no intentions, no intentions of representing the presence of God, because you do, you represent the presence of God, good, bad, but if you don't have any intentions of accurately representing who God is by the way you treat people, then stop, for heaven's sake. Do us all a favor. Do God a favor. Stop calling yourself a Christian. It makes him look bad, and it makes other people question his presence. Because see, the whole purpose is for God looks at you and me and says, now go be me. Go be me. Go be me to the world. And that's hell don't know. I've seen it. I've seen this in my own life. This is not just some principle or just some idea. No, I've experienced this in my own life. I experienced the presence of God through other people and have so much in my life. I have come to know so much about who God is and what God is like through the presence of those who represent his presence in my life. And the first person in my life that ever clearly represented who God was like to me is probably the, one of the same people in your life, even though not actually the same because she's my mom. Right? And one of the first people in our lives, often, that represent to us the presence of God is our parents. It's our parents. And, and I cannot tell you how much I've learned about the presence of God through my mom, which, whoo, parents kind of makes you think. I mean, our kids are learning about who God is through us. Uh-oh. Okay, yeah, we'll do that another time. But on the positive side, right? But it did, just didn't stop there in my life. I mean, my wife, oh my goodness, I've learned so much about the presence of God through my wife, Donna. And she, she walks with Jesus so much more closely than I do. It's just so annoying. <laughs> right? And I'm called the pastor, and, and she, she's schooling me all the time. I'm learning so much about the presence of God. And here's the deal. I've learned so much about the presence of God through so many of you. I've experienced time and time and time again that God is with me because of you. Because of you. I've learned things about God because of you. I've been reminded of God's presence with me because of your presence with me. I can't tell you. In times you don't even know. In times you have no clue what you said, what you did, and what it meant. But here's the deal. It's not just me. You know it too. You know it too. You've experienced the exact same thing. You have. Because I hear you talk and you tell me stories. And you say, Pastor, you, you got to understand. And you'll describe something great that this person did in your life or something great that this person said to you and, and how they helped you and how they encouraged you and how they met a need in your life. And somewhere along the way, towards the end of the story, you say something like this in your own way. You'll say, I tell you what, pastor, that was God. You'll tell me this whole long story about somebody that showed up in your life and you'll say, I'm just telling you, I know it, that was God. Like, no, that was Bob. That was Sue but it was God because God used Bob and God uses Sue and God uses you. 
show up at the right time, in the right way, at the right moment, to remind those around you, God is present, God is here, you are not alone, you are not forgotten, and he's very much at work. And he did that through you. Are you kidding me? Wow. So let me just throw this out there to you. I I don't know of a more pointed way of saying it. You need to be the reason. You need to be the reason that someone believes that God is present. You. That was the plan. You. Go be me. That's what Jesus says to us. Go be me. You need to take a personal responsibility to go be the reason that someone believes that God is present. You say, well, you don't get it, dude. I'm not a pastor. I don't have a title. I'm not on the staff. I haven't been trained. I've never, I don't stand on a stage. And okay, so your point is that has nothing to do with it. As a follower of Jesus, you have every single thing you need to go be me and be the reason someone. Be the reason someone believes God is present. You know how I know that? Because you have his spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. As a follower of Jesus, someone, when we begin to trust and follow Jesus, we're told, and Jesus said, I'm going to give you my spirit. And when I give you my spirit, then you go be my witnesses. You go bear witness of me. And you have his spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus within you. You have everything you need to go be me. But know this, it's subtle. When we go be me, and we are the reason people believe that God is present, it's rarely spectacular, really. It's rarely spectacular. There's rarely an audience. There's rarely a spotlight. There's rarely a stage. It's rarely moments like this. It's the common, everyday, average moments. Like, just with a conversation, just in a conversation. You thought you were just talking. You thought you were just, just chewing the fat. You thought you were just catching up. But what they heard and what they, their takeaway is, and maybe you've been on the receiving end of this, is that now I know God is present and now I know God is at work in my life because of that conversation I just had with that person. You never know. A conversation or, or when you notice and when you care. When you're checking in someone and you notice what's going on in their life and you take note of it and, and, and you care and, and you're just trying to be nice, right? You're just trying to be a, a good whatever, fill in the blank. But what they got and what their takeaway is, now I can do this again. Now I can do this another day. Now I can show up. Now I can hang in there. Now I can endure because I know, I know once again, God is present and with me. You thought you were just encouragement. You thought, you thought it was just a text. Right? It's just a text, right? I mean, it's just a silly text. It's a text. No, 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 no. You thought it was just a text, but when they received the text, it was much bigger. It was like God texting you through them, going, See, I see you. You're not alone, you're not forgotten. And when we pray with each other and pray for each other, right? It's just another way another way so that so people will know that God is present through your presence that's the whole point so go be the reason go be the reason and it's not going to be spectacular hey listen here's another way and this is why we talk so much about this at the summit when we serve one another when we serve each other and meet needs in the lives of other people and see a need to say I want to help I want to help I want to help I want to do my part I want to do my part I want to do my part I want to be the reason someone knows that God is with them this is why I don't know of a, of a more powerful way to help the world know that God is present and at work in the world. Few things illustrate God's presence more clearly than meeting the needs of life in the lives of other people. When you serve them, 
Yeah. It, and, and it's rarely spectacular, but it's one of the most Jesus-like things we can do. That's why we talk about it so very much here at the summit. And we encourage you to volunteer because we're trying to give you opportunities. We're not just trying to get your help doing stuff. Are you kidding me? No, no, we're trying to help give you opportunities where you get to experience God tapping people on the shoulder and letting them know he's with them because you showed up. You were present and you served them and you met a need in their life. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about the big serve. Be ready because that's what this is all about is us letting the community know, hey, listen, God is present. God is here. God sees you. God noticed. God cares. God loves you. And, and you know that because we're here and we care and we love you. And when we do that, God goes, that's the plan. Go be me. Go be me. Y'all go be me. When we do mission trips, short-term mission trips, and, and, and you go across the world and we let people know, listen, God sees you. God sees you. God recognizes your plight. God knows your need. And they experience that through our love. I'm telling you, being the hands and feet of Jesus through serving. And there's another way. And this is why we talk about groups so much. You know, we've already talked about it a little bit today. We talk about it pretty regularly. Why? Because when you're journeying alongside other people, representing the presence of God to them, and they're representing God's presence right back to you, and you're reciprocating the presence of God in each other's lives, I'm telling you, there are few things as impactful as that. You're going to need a regular reminder. I, I don't know what kind of life you live, and I don't know what you face, and I don't know what happens to you, but if you're like me, you're going to need a regular reminder that God is with you. You're going to need a regular reminder that you're not alone, that you're not in this on your own. You're going, to be, you're going to need to be reminded over and over and over and over and over again in the way God wants to remind us. It's not, because, it's not just, just the feelings from the songs. I mean, that's all great. We've talked about all that kind of stuff in the series, but the most powerful way is when we show up in each other's lives and God says they'll know I'm present through your presence. And groups, hope you experience that. I mean, on an ongoing basis, we have groups that have met for years and years and years. I mean, they've just journeyed together, and it's beautiful. They've established friendships. It's, it's amazing. And then we have groups that are more short-term, on short-term groups for those of you that are like, I can't make a commitment to something like that now. Okay, fine. Give us four to six weeks, and we'll introduce you to a group of people that may just show up at the right time in the right place in the right way. And then you walk off and go, that was God. And you're like, no, no, that was Bob. That was Sue. And they may look at you and say the same thing. It's the beauty. I'm telling you, be the reason, be the reason, be the reason that someone in your life knows that God is good because you're good. Be the reason that someone knows God is kind and loving because you are that God is gracious and merciful and that God forgives them because you do and you carry his name. Be the reason that your enemies, everybody has somebody in the enemy position, right? Maybe somebody you're married to. Could be somebody in your own family. Could be that pesky neighbor. Could be that somebody you work with, Right? We, from time to time, play the enemy with each other, even though their enemy is not really them and you're not, you know, okay. But you know what I'm saying. Be the reason that even your enemies begin to rethink who God is because you refuse to enemy them back. You refuse to play the enemy game. They may think they're your enemy, but you don't see them that way. You refuse to play that and reciprocate that back 
And then they'll go, maybe. If God is like them, what does that mean for me? Be the reason. Be the reason that your family, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, that person in pain, that person in a time of doubt, that person who is just so lost in life, that person who is alone, that person who is questioning the presence of God, that person who is in desperate need to know that God is with them. Be the reason that they know that God says, I am here. Because of you. That's the plan. Go be me. Be the reason. I'm going to wrap our time up a little bit differently than we typically do. I want to introduce you to someone, someone that's probably already a familiar face to you. Hannah, could you come on out? This is Hannah McClendon. Hannah is a familiar face here at Kernersville and in Oak Ridge at both of our locations. She's a part of our worship team, and she's also on staff. Uh, is a graphic artist for us, so, which means many of the beautiful things and the, and the awesome things that you see are a result of the brilliance in her noggin. And she's just awesome. She's just phenomenal. And um, every week, most every week, uh, you probably don't know this, I, um, I pull together a team of, of staff and sometimes volunteers too, but mostly staff. And I call it the Sermon Think Tank Group, and it's very impromptu, and we meet virtually most of the time, and I throw out ideas to them. I'm working on this message. I'm working on this series. I'm working on this concept. I'm going to give you a highlight, and then I, I want you to talk to me about it. I just want to give me your thoughts and ideas and, and things, because I learned a long time ago, I, I can't have all the best ideas, and my job is not to have all the best ideas. That's too much for my brain. My job is to help find the best ideas. And, and then to bring them to you. And so much, so much often of, of what I share with you comes directly out of conversations that happen in this, in this group. And sometimes they, I just quote them directly, right? And, and they're so great about it. Well, the other week, Hannah's in this group weekly, and we were talking about this sermon, this series. And towards the end of the meeting, we were talking about done, and, and Hannah said, this made me think about, and then she shared something. that was like one of those mic drop holy moments, virtually. I mean, it was just like, Okay, wait, God, is, God, is God in this call? Has he got one of those boxes? Where, where is, where is, could, you could just like feel the presence of God on the meet, in the meeting. And it doesn't happen. We have regular meetings too, where we're like, is this over and over? You know, <laughs> we have those meetings too. But this was one of those meetings that was like a holy moment kind of thing. And instead of me trying to figure out a way to recreate what Hannah shared, we thought it would be best. And the, one of the best ways I know to end this series on the presence of God is just ask Hannah to share with you what she shared with us. So, Hannah? Well, one of the things that Jonathan has been saying throughout this series is that God is ever-present everywhere in every moment. But if I can be completely honest with you, I haven't really felt like I've been in God's presence much lately. And it feels wrong to say that because I work in ministry. I'm on the worship team. I'm part of this group of people whose job it is to help other people experience and recognize the presence of God around them. But I'm also a first-time mom. And taking care of a one-year-old demands an overwhelming majority of my brain space these days. And I know it's just a phase and we just have the one and have the most amazing supportive husband through it all. But most days it still feels like a lot. And this reminded me of a post by an artist on Instagram that I follow. His name is Anthony Garola, and we just wanted to take a moment at the end of this series to share it with you. And this is what he says. He says, my Lord, sometimes my worship feels unproductive. 
I work hard to make the setting right. I have the house clean, the coffee made, the Bible open, the guitar tuned, and my spirit is willing, but my flesh is annoyed. Because in the middle of focusing on you, someone needs me, and I don't see any sign of the need slowing down. In fact, the more I see you, the more I hear them. Father, how am I supposed to worship the God of the universe when I'm so distracted by the people in my own house? I present this question to you in frustration and you answer in peace. It is still worship. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have so loved you. Beloved, the people in your community are not the distraction from worship. They are the very opportunity for it. For if I have no love, then I have nothing to offer. If my entire house is cleaned and in order for my quiet time, but my child asking for help is an inconvenience, then I have missed what it is to lay my life down. So here I am, Father, let my life be an offering. May I no longer see inconvenience as a distraction from worship, but the very essence of it. No matter what is going on in the world around me, may they see the Jesus within me and let this be my worship. So if you find yourself in a season where work and life and family and everything is pulling your brain in a million different directions and you would just love to sit and rest and be still in the presence of God, but you feel like you can't do that, because if you do, then the laundry piles up, the kids don't eat, and you don't get to shower, and nothing gets done. Friends, I just want you to know that I see you. But more importantly, God sees you. And he is just as present when you are wiping spaghetti off the walls as he is in the middle of your favorite worship song. And he is just as present when your kid is having a meltdown in the middle of the grocery store as he is when you are taking communion. And as, as everybody's going back to school now, he is just as present in that morning rush to get everyone up and out the door on time as he is right here in this moment. Friends, I don't think God is mad at you because you're busy taking care of other people in these seasons. He's not sitting on his throne tapping his foot saying, well, she was supposed to call or he was supposed to spend time in my presence today, but I guess they're just too busy folding laundry and, and packing lunches and changing diapers and potty training and picking up toys and wiping snot and spit up off herself and her kid and driving to the sitter and daycare and school drop-off and gymnastics and swim lessons and ball practice and dance recitals. And yes, there's power in saying no and not overfilling your calendar and intentionally scheduling time to rest. But what if that time you're supposed to be resting is constantly interrupted by someone who needs you? And maybe you're not in this season right now, but I think you know the feeling of after a long day, finally being able to come home and relax on the couch, and then your phone starts ringing, or you get a knock on the door, or you get a text that says, hey, can you talk? The friends, as we just read, what if those very things that you think are a distraction from resting in the presence of God are in fact an invitation to remember that he's in the midst of all of it? because he is ever-present, everywhere, in every moment. So Jesus, I pray that the next time my friends and I find ourselves exhausted from taking care of other people or interrupted yet again by someone who needs us, I pray that in those moments, even just for a microsecond, we can see you smiling at us saying, that's my girl right there. That's my son who I love. She is doing exactly what I called her to do. He is serving others and showing them what sacrificial love looks like. 
Because Jesus, you did not come to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And that even when your presence feels so, so far away, that you promise you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And with a heart of compassion and grace and understanding, you say to us, my dear son, my precious daughter, I see you, I love you, and I am here with you. And Jesus, it is in your name that we pray, amen.